Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. I am preaching tonight about anointed us in God, bold faith, subtitle, anointed. We're going to talk about the anointing. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the worship that has went forth. And I pray, God, that you open up our hearts to receive this word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, let's get into it tonight. I love our Wednesday night Bible studies. It's much better if you're here, praise the Lord. Um, But nonetheless, I love our Wednesday night time uh, together in devotion. So tonight we are going to have a teaching on the anointing. And in this season, I believe that we need the anointing now more than ever before. I'm I'm serious. But understand that my goal, what my goal is in this teaching tonight, I would do a great injustice if all this was was information that you could actually look up in a dictionary just to see what a word means. That's not what this particular teaching is about. My goal is for you to learn what the anointing is, but more importantly, why we need the anointing in our everyday life. There is a difference in that. This is not just something Uh, from an intellectual standpoint that you're going to walk out with a bunch of head knowledge but I want you a little bit of head knowledge but I also want a little bit of heart knowledge as well I want you to feel this thing you see the anointing is not given just for church life it's not given just so that we have better church services the anointing uh, was given to actually function in our life every single day of the week Um, it was to help us to navigate crisis it was given to help us to break yokes it was given to help us to survive pandemics. Hello, somebody. It was given so that devils could be cast out of people. That's right. It was given so people could be filled with the Holy Spirit and healings could take place and so that people would ultimately be saved. That's why the anointing was given. It was not given so that we have a great church service. Truth be told, without the anointing, there is no real ministry. And I know that's a strong statement. But listen, without the anointing, church turns into a social gathering where everyone can come and smile to each other and talk about the weather and all that kind of stuff. And I'm about to get myself in trouble right now. But, you know, I've been reading the, um, these, uh, what, what they gave the governor in terms of recommendations of opening up businesses. Watch now. I got to be careful. I am, I'm about to step on a landmine and blow my own stuff up, okay? This ain't even in my notes, but I can't help it because we're talking about the anointing, and I feel the anointing right now to say this. So, so I was reading these recommendations that they gave the governor about opening up businesses and church, oh, not churches, but just businesses. And as I read through it, there was nothing in there, no recommendation about opening up the churches. So whenever I read the recommendations, I had Amanda call the governor. I said, hey, what is your recommendation about opening up churches? And they said, there is none. There, there is none. You just stay exactly the way you are, empty, basically. Well, one of the recommendations that they gave the governor, you can go to AO.com and read it, is they recommended guidelines on how to open up casinos, racetracks, in the bingo hall. Mm-hmm. You heard me. Yeah, they gave recommendations on how to open up the bingo hall. Now, now, now. Listen, a building is just a building. 
technically, you could come inside of this building and play bingo if you wanted to. Okay, a building is just a building. But what makes us different than a bingo hall or a casino hall is the anointing of God in this place. I'm about to throw my mic right now. I ain't even preaching hard, and I done got myself excited. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, that is what makes us different than the bingo hall. You could come in this butler building and play bingo all day, but that ain't church. But when you come in here and you begin to worship God and praise God, and God begins to pour out his anointing in this place you felt it I felt it I feel it now and God begins to move uh, from the front to the back and people begin to weep and come to the altars listen that is what ministry is tonight and that is what I'm preaching on and that is what I am after is the anointing five things about the anointing that we'll talk about number one what is the anointing number two how powerful the anointing is, that it does make a difference. Number three, don't use the anointing out of context. Four, the anointing goes, grows stronger over time. Number five, we have been clothed with the anointing. So let's get started with number one, what is the anointing? Now, just from a pure definition standpoint, the words anointed or anointing literally means contact to spe uh, smear or rub to concentrate to an office to separate and it's also known as special endowment now the anointing is another duty of the person of the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit is a comforter the Holy Spirit is a teacher the Holy Spirit is a God but the Holy Spirit also anoints Okay, the anointing comes when the Holy Spirit is present or manifesting itself in someone's life. The word anoint is used uh, is usually applied to a priest, to prophets, or to kings found in the Old Testament. Prophets, priests, and kings. And then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, filled every single one of those offices. Jesus was a prophet, he was a priest, and he was a king, and Jesus was anointed. More on that a little bit later. But in the New Testament, the New Testament does not leave you out nor I out. For Peter tells us that we are a royal priesthood and we too are to be anointed. This is not something uh, to scare you. This is not something to put in a closet someplace. We need the anointing in our life now more than ever before. Number two, listen, I want you, uh, how powerful the anointing is. The anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference in ministry, in lives being changed and how effectively we spread the gospel let me give you an example when you read in the Old Testament you are always reading about ordinary men they were ordinary men until they were anointed something happened in these Old Testament characters that took them from average Joes to something extraordinary and the only difference was God's anointing upon them the anointing brought divine enablement in their lives which made them different altogether now watch giving you a quick example you know this Gideon from the Bible when the angel came to Gideon 
Gideon was a coward. Gideon said, not me, you got the wrong one. But God, God saw fit to anoint him anyways, to show that in our weaknesses, God is made strong. You see, the reason that God sometimes chooses the outcast, the, the least than, the one talent people, and chooses to put their anointing on their life is so that nobody can ever guess or, or, or nobody can ever misplace where the praise belongs. You follow what I'm saying? You see, Gideon was the least person of anybody to think that he was going to be the great judge. In fact, anybody else who knew Gideon said, oh my, not Gideon, okay? Nobody would assume Gideon. But when you're able to see somebody like Gideon do extraordinary things, then you, you have to praise God because you know they can't do this on their own. Are you tracking what I'm saying? It's like Samson. When the anointing came on Samson, I don't think Samson was some big hulk of a guy. I don't think he like, you know, walked around flexing his muscles and had muscles on top of muscles and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's what Samson looked like. I think Samson looked kind of like me. <laughs> I, think he, I think it was like, I think he looked like me a little bit. Uh, see, if I went out there and started ripping uh, lion's jaws apart and picking up, you know, oak trees up out the ground, you would say, wow. That boy is anointed. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Uh, because you would not look at me as some big buff kind of guy thinking I could do that. Again, God chooses to do those types of things because in our weaknesses, he is made strong. I am hope I'm making sense right now. But when the anointing hit Gideon's life, it turned his fears into faith. It turned his doubts into hope. The difference maker was the anointing of God. Uh, think about Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, the spiritual backbone that those men had. He was made to be different once the anointing was applied to their life. And to all the young people that are watching, to all the young people that are watching Brother Alex tonight, you can not effectively serve God and fit in as normal. When the anointing came on their lives, it set them apart and they could no longer be like the crowd out there. Listen to me now. You must make it up in your mind that your relationship with Jesus Christ is going to cost me something in my life and I am willing to pay that price to be in the anointing. Yes, sir. Give me the anointing if it costs me friendship. Give me the anointing if it costs me something in this world. I want the anointing of God. Jesus Christ was anointed by God. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' ministry did not start until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. The first 30 years of his life was silent years. You don't read anything about it. But once that dove came upon Jesus Christ, miracles started to follow. The feeding of thousands began to happen. He started to cast out demons. Yes, sir, the anointing is what makes the difference. Number three, don't use the anointing out of context. Now, I must teach on this while we're talking about the anointing, especially in the Pentecostal world. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Listen to me now. Because there are a lot of people who walk around who are self-anointed, and they don't mind telling you. Come on, somebody. They got 13, 13 of the nine spiritual gifts. 
Okay? Now, in our original text, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, that who has anointed us? God is the one who anointed us. The anointing only comes from God. It is a supernatural endowment. It's not your opinion that anoints you. It's not somebody else's opinion that anoints you. It's God. Acts 1-4. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. Talking about the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. So the promise is the anointing and the promise is from the Father. There is no anointing apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, now here it is. Here is a fundamental flaw of when people get separated from the body of Christ and in their, in, in their own mind, they begin to say, I don't need the church. I don't need a preacher. I don't need a teacher. All I need is to be taught by the Holy Spirit. I'm in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. People take this out of context. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, a lot of people have went off the deep end on this verse right here. Yes, sir. They say, I don't need to go to church. They say, I don't need uh, a preacher. I don't need a teacher. Uh, I got saved last week, and all I need is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'll let the Holy Ghost teach me. Listen to me now. Well, the person who says this must hear this statement. First, you cannot build an entire doctrine upon one scripture. It is very clear. Doctrine comes from precept upon precept. That means verse upon verse in the totality of the context of scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. So you have to take 1 John 2.27 in context of the other verses that are found in the same Bible. For example, the Bible says in Ephesians, and this is just one example, the Bible says in Ephesians that God gave the church apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and you guessed it, Teachers. Uh-huh. Now, why would he give the church these individuals if you don't need these individuals? All you got is the Holy Ghost. I don't need nobody to teach me. The Holy Ghost will teach me. Then why would the same Holy Ghost anoint these individuals and these offices in the church? Oh, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because you got to put it in context. Now watch. He gave these gifts to the church in order to edify the church for the edification of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ. Then what about 1 John chapter 2, verse 27? This is what it is saying right here. This is what it means. It means the Holy Spirit will confirm to you when I am teaching truth and whenever I am teaching error. Okay? That's what it means. It's to help you be wolf-proof. So if somebody comes in here or you listen to somebody online, my goodness, you can listen to somebody online right now. But you're listening to some preacher, and some preacher says, I got a revelation from God tonight. Uh-huh, I got a revelation from God. There is no more hell. Okay? Immediately, 1 John 2.27, something's going to rise up inside of me that says, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, sir, that is not right. 
That is not what the Bible says. That is not a revelation from God. That is a revelation from hell trying to convince people there is no hell. Uh, Try again. I'm not going to believe that. You understand? That's what that verse means. It's to help teach you and, and, and teach you the truth of what the Word says and bear witness with your spirit and test the spirits and don't just receive everybody's live stream all at one time. You got to make sure that what you're listening to is the gospel. I'm hope I'm making sense with that. So that verse does not mean that you should not have a teacher or a pastor of, of the fivefold ministries or that you should not be connected to a local body, a local assembly. The Holy Spirit will confirm a message down inside of you saying that this is, uh, this is the Spirit right here. The Holy Spirit will confirm that this is where I need to be connected for my breakthrough and for my destiny. This is what First John meant so that you would not be deceived by false teachers and false teachings. Anytime that you go to begin to wrestle with a situation or a teaching, you need to go slowly before you make a decision. I'm trying to help somebody. It is one of two reasons of why you're having a hard time receiving that teaching. Number one, you're dealing maybe with a sin. Okay, maybe you're dealing with sin. Uh, The preacher is preaching, you know, against um, uh, fornication and you are you know, in a fornicating relationship and you're not married, and so therefore it's bothering you because you have sin in your life. Well, you need to repent, okay? You need to repent on that. Or it may be a false teaching, and you better leave it alone and move on in Jesus' name. I hope I'm helping you right there. Now, this is what is meant that the Holy Spirit teaches us. He approves confirms the teaching or he disapproves of it. So don't accept something that God disapproves of. Remember the Holy Spirit has to is the one who leads you into guides you into all truth. All right. Number 4. The the anointing grows stronger over time. Now I love this point right here. To prove this point very quickly, I want you to notice in the Old Testament, anytime somebody was chosen as a task, they were what? anointed. They would take a big old horn of oil. That ain't like we do today. In fact, when we come back to church, I may anoint everybody with oil. Come on, somebody. You say, well, what about the six feet thing? I don't know. I may get a, 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 a water gun and fill it with anointing oil. And then when you just walk by, I just start squirting you in Jesus' name. Come on. <laughs> I need to be careful. All right. Now, so, so they started with the oil, and they would pour it on the heads of whoever they were anointing. And it would run down their face, it would run down their clothes, and it would puddle up around their feet. This is how it happened in the Old Testament. Now, the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So God would speak to a prophet and say, I want you to go and anoint so-and-so as king, or go anoint so-and-so as the high priest. And so the oil would cover everything. Now watch, here's the point. Each high priest would pass down the garments that he wore the year before to the next high priest. That next high priest would put those same clothes on and get re-anointed once again uh, so that it would be passed on from generation to generation. I hope I'm making sense right now. Why is this important? I am talking about the double portion. You see, everybody wants the double portion of the anointing. You know, that that Elisha received from Elijah. But you cannot receive the double portion unless you have a spiritual father. I just said a mouthful right there. 
the, the reason it's a double portion is because it is passing on those garments that was once anointed, now it's passed on to you. But if you're not connected to nobody, if you have no mentor in your life, if you have no pastor, no, no authority, no leadership, then there's nothing to pass on. There's nothing to pass on. There's no, there's nothing there. Are you listening to me? And so what would happen in the Old Testament, the high priest, they would pass these garments on. They would get re-anointed. And so the, the, the anointing smell would get stronger and stronger and stronger, representing the anointing gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And I say this in the name of the Lord tonight, that the anointing in this church should not get less and less and less. The anointing in this church should get stronger and stronger and stronger from one generation to the next generation. Listen, Brother Carmichael's generation, listen, the anointing that he preached under the anointing that he functioned under it should not be passed on to me and then I drop the baton and it gets lesser or gets weaker no it should get stronger with me mm -hmm. and then when I pass it on it gets stronger with that generation because the latter house ought to be stronger than the former house and so that is what it refers to the anointing grows stronger over time my goodness I wish I had my Holy Ghost church here tonight we would have church. Number five, we have been clothed with the anointing. We have been clothed with the anointing. Genesis chapter 2 verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay? Now watch, watch. So now this is before they sinned. They were not ashamed. Okay? Not ashamed. Then Genesis 3, 7, we know what happened. Sin came in. Notice now. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, something happened here, and we know that they sinned, but that ain't what I'm talking about. Notice how they were not ashamed, they were naked, and now all of a sudden they are ashamed, and they try to clothe themselves in some natural way. Why? Or how did sin cause them to feel ashamed seeing each other naked? Because the sin had to do with the spiritual man, watch now, and not so much the physical man. But we do know people died and, and, and cancer came and sickness came. But, but watch, watch. Could it be that before the fall they were clothed, but they were, their clothing was not in the physical, but their clothing was in the spiritual? Mm -hmm. Okay, I submit to you tonight Psalms 104, verse 1 and verse 2. Psalms 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art, thou art, you are clothed with honor and majesty. Okay, who cover yourself with light. How do you cover yourself with light? As a garment who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. My goodness, I am here to tell you that the reason Adam and Eve could stand in the garden naked before the fall was because they were clothed with the covering of God's light, of God's honor, and of God's majesty. God was their covering. God was their provider. God was their companion. Therefore, they could stand naked and not be ashamed because the glory of God was their garment. Oh my. 
as, as the brother Josh and Amanda come back up to get ready here. Did you hear what I just said? Listen, listen. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a, a sermon on this later about the light of God. But do you remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and he came down off the mountain to Mount Sinai? The Bible says that his face glowed. It was lit up. God is a God of light. I believe that before the fall, when these guys were in the Garden of Eden, they were clothed. They didn't have any shame because they were clothed in God's honor and in God's light. But after the fall and sin entered the picture, their eyes were opened or you could say their eyes were uncovered as God was withdrew his garment of light that had covered them and had clothed them up until the fall so as they stood in the work of God's spirit they were not ashamed uh-huh but as they stood in the work of their flesh shame did come any time that you stand in a work, whether it is noble or not, but it was born and done out of your flesh it will always produce shame in your life Anytime you do anything in your flesh, it will always produce shame. But we do not end on a bad note. We end on a good note. Yes, Adam and Eve lost the anointing, lost their covering when they decided to disobey God. But Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But ye tarry in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high if we had folks here tonight we would have church right here that's right the word endued means to put on clothing <laughs> Ooh, I'm making my own self happy tonight the word endued means to put on clothing a righteous clothing the anointing of the Holy Spirit Oh, it's our garment. When you got saved and when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are restoring the original place where we can stand in the presence of God and not be ashamed from anything in our past. We don't have to be ashamed of any bad decision we ever made. It doesn't matter what we did in our past. We can stand right there before God unashamedly because He has anointed us with His anointing. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Don't you ever feel like you are naked whenever you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do not allow the enemy to come and destroy your marriage because you are not covering that marriage in the anointing. Do not let the enemy destroy your family because you're not covering that family in the anointing. I'm talking about in your prayers. Listen to me now. Don't allow the enemy to come and to take away your sanity and to take away your, your peace because of provision. Listen. Cover your life in the anointing tonight. Listen to me. Do not allow the enemy to come and to rip away the, the the fabric of our community because of some virus. Do not allow the enemy to come and to rip us apart as a church family because of some virus. You are covered in the anointing. You are covered in the Holy Spirit tonight. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There is no curse and there is no bondage stronger than God's anointing. If there is a curse, then there's an anointing of God to break it. If there's an addiction, then there's an anointing of God to break it. If there is a bondage, then there's an anointing of God to break that bondage. If there is a sin, then there's an anointing to break and to cover that sin. In Jesus' name tonight.
We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at revivalcenterag.com.